All right, what's going on? Welcome to the Offseason Podcast. My name is Zach Nalen. I'm a senior at Southern Connecticut State University, and I wanted to take some time and I wanted to uh, talk about some things that are pretty important to me. Uh, I'm here with a close friend of mine. I'm going to let him introduce himself now. Hey, guys. My name is Michael Fort. I am a sophomore at Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. I play D3 lacrosse, and there's just been a lot going on lately in the world. So we got our couple opinions and a couple of viewpoints, and I think we're going to share those today. Yeah, right on. Uh, obviously, the biggest thing going on with this whole COVID-19 coronavirus thing is, uh, you know, graduation was unfortunately canceled. Uh, for me being a senior, this was pretty upsetting. Um, first off, you know, we're all, you know, online classes now, everyone's sent home. I never really got to have that final goodbye with all my friends up there. Uh, it was really abrupt. You know, everyone's just moving out, everyone's going and all the momentum we had with everything going on is just kind of halted. Um, you know, I'm involved in a lot of clubs, a lot of organizations on campus. And it was just really upsetting to see everything kind of end like that. Um, that was kind of how it seemed for me off the start of it in New Haven. I don't know what it was like for you over in Pennsylvania, Mike, at Grove City. Was it something yeah. similar? Well, the thing was, the thing I sucked is we just really didn't get any kind of closure. Um, there was no sense of closure to anything that was really going on to it, it just all moved so fast. Like you never got to say goodbye to anybody. I, I just think that it, it, it's rough. Like I'm not gonna lie, it's a really rough situation to be in where your friends are all leaving. And next thing you know, your whole season really got pulled out from under you and you, that's it, like it's done. And so those close relationships that you had with your friends up there, like especially the seniors, like, I know how close I was to you in high school. And so that, that relationship in college, only stronger being around people more like that. So I can only imagine how your boys at Southern really feel about you, like saying goodbye, not really getting that full, full chance to close up the whole deal of college. It's a really awkward situation. And it's, it's kind of numbing. Like you really don't know how to feel a lot of times about it. So I think it's everyone a little differently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I remember graduating high school, you know, it's just that whole atmosphere, you know, you're surrounded by your family, grandparents who've probably traveled from God knows where, you know, I don't know what your family situation is like, but, you know, I got family all over the country, down in Florida, you know, up in New Hampshire, Connecticut. It's just hard to get them all together, especially, you know, for such a grand occasion. And, you know, especially now that my grandparents are getting up there in age, you know, like you just want to, you know, have those opportunities as much as you can. And, you know, it was just another opportunity lost. You know, I just don't get to see them. Even if I don't get to walk across the podium and get my diploma and just, that's, that's the part that you don't get back. That's the part that sucks the most. Yeah. I was going to ask you, what do you, how did you react when you realized that it was done? Like you had to leave New Haven. Everyone was leaving New Haven where Southern is. What was your initial like emotions going through you there being that you're a second semester senior and you're graduating? 
for me, it was a pretty strange situation, to be completely honest. Um, I mean, I live off campus. I'm a commuter. Uh, I lived in New Haven. Um, I had a job in New Haven. Uh, so when this whole thing happened, it was just more me witnessing everyone else around me who didn't have those things, who didn't live in New Haven, who didn't have a job in New Haven, and just watch everyone go home, go back, and then you just you, you go downstairs in your house one day and you just see the tumbleweeds roll through. And it's just like, wow, you just realize the magnitude of this situation. And, you know, yeah. then you start thinking about yourself. And it's just, it's it's an interesting situation, to say the least. Yeah, it's really a situation that I don't think anyone foresaw. Like, no one really expected anything like this. There was no even, no even mental prep for it to be this big so quickly. Like, you had heard about it. At least from where I was sitting, we we had all we all knew what was going on in China. We knew that it was spreading to the U.S. But I mean, not even if you had told me that it was going to hit like this, like I would have just said you're crazy. I would have said you're absurd. I'm Nowhere sure Connecticut even was one of the first ones to even like have the coronavirus. Well, yeah, I mean, you're that close to New York, which is such a hub for it. Like, how could you not? I think Fairfield County area yeah, was. Absolutely was hit soon like they were definitely well more well more on edge than eastern connecticut where, where we are right now i think that i like i can only wish those guys the best like being so close to new york city obviously just such well, a just populated area you got jfk international right there so i'm assuming it probably came mm -hmm. in through there and then domino effect you know each person spreads it on to another person and then it just works its way down you know, and then so many people commute into uh, New York from that side of Connecticut over there. It was just yeah. a matter of time. But I mean, what do you think about uh, the colleges losing money though? Like, I feel like if you're like a small institution, like private institution, because I know most of the most of UConn, Southern, those are backed by more of more federal government kind of situation. But if you're yeah, a small so what, private institution, you're man. When so people are knocking at your door to give back rooming loans and housing deposits, like, what do you do? Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to some of my buddies that I got in my fraternity, and they were telling me that same thing. Uh, Southern is actually going to be reimbursing the uh, students who lived on campus for the time that they're not there. And mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, you know, from a school's perspective, you know, like, I know a lot of that money was going towards food, towards, you know, internet and those basic utilities that those kids needed but to a degree like that goes towards funding that the school uses and then mm -hmm. you know just the foot traffic you know going into you know we have a dunkin donuts on campus you know we have a, a student center where you can go and purchase things and just that regular revenue of just students coming in you know and you know spending money at those things definitely probably took a chunk out of those institutions for sure well on the topic of losing money how do you feel that the ncaa is going to handle this because obviously march madness is one of the biggest events of the year such a money draw and money maker for the ncaa and they just lost that and oh, I'm pissed, even dude. the even I'm the big pissed. tournaments like yeah I'm, I'm pretty frustrated i mean i love sports i love watching march madness and it's definitely upsetting to uh see that tournament not happen and it's just really strange. I mean, I think you saw it on the uh, internet too, where they already named the AP Player of the Year, Coach of the Year, 
and it's just yeah, like, it's weird. They're kind of just wrapping up the season. Like, I mean, you you play Division three lacrosse yourself, you know, high level D three lacrosse. I mean, how does that feel? Um, it, it's kind of a kick in the pants because you work so hard and you put in in an, an insane amount of hours, even at the the D three level, to to be successful, to put you and your guys in a, in a position where you can compete against high, high end teams and try to continue to grow your program. And you continue to try to get better with the people around you and make progress as a, as a unit. And I think that's probably the most frustrating thing is that at least from, from my program, we have a lot of sophomores and freshmen and valuable, valuable time was just lost for those sophomores. You grow a lot sophomore year. I feel like, and that's we there's no getting that back like you're not going to get back those games played like those minutes and I mean I can only imagine too for those seniors like the seniors who put in like countless hours and have been such good leaders to I mean me personally and, and helped my program grow but I mean seniors across the country play college sports in the spring like I can only imagine what's going through their heads they they have it rough. Like I, I don't think, I don't know if any person can really relate to the situation that they're in besides other seniors going through it. Like no one else across the span of college sports has really had to deal with stuff like this where you're perfectly healthy. You're playing great. And you just got the whole season pulled out from under you from for something you literally have no control. Absolutely. Over. Yeah. I mean, the, the rule that they came up with is they gave uh, all spring sports athletes the extra year of eligibility. Uh, how did your seniors on your team kind of take that information? Because I think you were kind of still there at mm-hmm. Grove City when that whole thing happened, right? Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we, were, all, we were all together when we found out that we were going to get that, that potential eligibility year back. And But the thing is, like, and, and you got to remember this, this is – these people are seniors like this is a senior in college so for him to take another year of eligibility means he's living he's, he has to go to classes again like he has to go he has to pay he has to pay he has to pay for college yes he, he maybe has to eat in eat in uh di- the dining hall so there's a lot of things that to, to consider when you realize that it's not as black and white as you would think. I think for the D1 athlete, if they're in the right position, it's it gets really easy to use that extra year of eligibility, especially if you're at a big school. But for like for like even for like a really high end D3 player, like I, person, personally, a really good friend of mine, Henry Brandon, was two time Offensive Player of the Year in the conference, and. I, I don't I don't see he already has a job lined up like I don't see how he can come back without like risking a lot like he has a secure job as an engineer and I think that a bunch of people across the country are put in that situation where they would love to get that year back for college across and they would love to be with the guys in the weight room on the field in the dorms hanging out and and, and with that able to just keep building that brotherhood and keep progressing to try to do something great. I think that it's hard because they do have a job lined up and they do have things like ready to put themselves in position to move forward in life. So 
at some point they might feel like they're kind of stalling their progression into the real world. And I, I just don't know if, I don't know how many people are going to use the eligibility or from a senior perspective, from a perspective of like myself, again, it's, it's still money. It, it college is expensive. And I know yeah. that not every family can j- just dish out money to college. I mean, it's hard. It's not an easy thing to, to do. It's a commitment. It's a whole family commitment. Kind of going off that too, Mike, it kind of makes you wonder, I was just thinking about this now, you know, we just had a pretty solid discussion about talking, uh, you know, these institutions are losing a lot of money. It kind of makes you wonder where their motivations really lie. You know, is this whole year of eligibility thing uh, a gift to the player or is this their loophole of trying to get those student athletes back, paying money to these schools, paying money for these classes, pursuing this master's program? You know, are they doing this with mm-hmm. the intention of helping the athlete who's lost out on this year of play? Or are they doing this to recoup money that they were thinking that they were going to have? Yeah, I, I think that the smartest institutions in terms of addressing the athletics department with this whole year of eligibility back, I think they'll find a way to to lower the price of college for those people who who they who they want back and they want to help move the program forward because I mean that's a that's a 22 23 year old man right there and I can tell you from playing college across like the 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 people who have put in the time in the weight room and on the field for four years it shows you, you see it like they're they are slapped together college across players like they are men like I remember playing Coast Guard and Coast Guard has D Mitty who's lifted for four years, played high in college across for four years. And in my opinion, he was one of the, if not the hardest D Mitty I've had to go against all year. And he, he, it almost felt like he, he knew what I was going to try to do because he's just seen so many people. And that's something you really just can't, you can't like kind of mock that as a freshman or sophomore. Like he's, He's like 22, like he's a dude. And I think that a lot of colleges, if they really want to push for athletics, they can try to get kids in for a cheaper price to help boost their programs. But then again, it is a weird situation walking in that this kid's just coming for one year to get his master's and leave. I don't know how the other, how are the other kids on the team going to feel? Well, that, well, that's the thing is a master's isn't yeah. just one year, it's two years. You know, so these kids, they'll get that one year of eligibility, you know, possibly for some kids they could go and get on scholarship. But you mm-hmm. know, that second year, you know, you're, you're not getting a master's, you know, you're not getting that diploma that you came back for that year to get while playing, you know, that last mm-hmm. year, what are you going to do? You know, and that's, that's the part where you got to pay out of pocket. That's the part where, you know, it's on the athlete, the athlete's family, the person mm-hmm. to go and sort all that out. Like, I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest. Like, I'm a, I'm a middle-class kid in Connecticut. I straight up don't know like, through me doing a, a fifth year somewhere and getting that eligibility, even if Absolutely. it is working towards a – even if, it, even if it is working towards a master's degree, as you said, you, you, and you said the, the magic word, you're paying out of pocket. So unless they're really going to be generous, I, I don't know how colleges are going to approach this. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, for my years of being in college, one thing that I've actually come to realize is that physical classes are actually cheaper than online classes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, with this whole pandemic that's been going on, obviously everything is online and we don't really know how long this is going to last going forward. And if a lot of people turned out to like this situation or it turns out to work for them or for whatever reason, this is the situation that they choose to do going forward, that, that's going to cost more money to the student that they have to go and pay for. Um, and that's just a big debate now that a lot of people are probably have, having internally is just online classes versus physical classes with the teacher there. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing is it it really is based on the student because some people I've talked to some kids who absolutely despise online classes. Like we're a week in and they're like, man, this is rough. Like, and I've talked to other kids who are like, I think I will, I think my GPA will go up like tremendously. And so it really does create the sense of, Hey, if you do that much better in online classes, is, is it now worth just taking online classes or w- what does it mean to the kid? Obviously, I'm in a position where I'm going to go back to campus the instant I'm allowed to because I, I have to get ready to play lacrosse. But other kids who are just going to school who maybe don't have all those ties and commitments to college or university, I, I don't I don't know how I could turn down turn it down if I'm doing that much better in school in in my my room at home. That's a big thing that I, I liked how you talked about that is like doing better in school. Um, mm-hmm. You know, for, for me being a senior, this whole change has got me pretty stressed out. I'll be completely honest, because now the pressure is entirely on me. Uh, you know, like I signed up, I registered for classes that were, you know, going to be at a certain time with a teacher there who I could talk to either before the class, after the class, uh, and I could get that face-to-face interaction which I think makes a big difference for me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if I were to go and take this change with the online classes and I were to do, you know, not as good in this section of the class now because of the change, it just, I didn't adapt well to it. You know, that could affect me with graduation that I can't even go to anymore because it's already been canceled from the school, (laughs) you know? It's just, it's a really strange situation for me, or at least that's how I'm taking it, you know? Because if I fail yeah. these, it's make or break, you know, and then I'll either have to come back and take them in the summer or I'm going to have to take them in the fall. And then, you know, we're back to this same thing all over again. Yeah. And as a senior, too, I hadn't even really thought about this until I saw something on it. How are you affected now by not being at school in terms of looking for a job like the job hunt? Does it become easier or harder because you're missing career fairs? And you're missing these chances to meet people and network. And in today's modern, modern industry, that is the, the economy we got. Like a lot of getting a job is face to face. Like if you can sell yourself face to face with someone else, that's the best way to get in and get that job offer. Like you would rather sell yourself face to face than just being a number on a piece of paper because a number on a piece of paper doesn't mean anything to the person looking at it. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, one thing I always grew up being told is, you know, it's it's always about who you know. You know, like mm-hmm. every single thing, whether it's an organization on campus that you're in, whether it's a sports team, a college, a job, 
there's always some sort of in that you have. There's some sort of connection that's made that establishes how you got there. Um, you know, my job that I have in New Haven, I actually found out about from another job that I do over the summer from one of my friends. Um, you know, when I found out about Southern, you know, it was just numerous people that I knew that went to the school that were talking it up, uh, that were telling me that rolling admission was still open when I decided to transfer. It's really about who you know. Um, and Southern itself, we have a yearly career fair. It was like our sixth annual career fair. It was literally like a week and a half out uh, before coronavirus eventually switched everything to being online. And uh, for at least the students and the upperclassmen at Southern, this career fair is huge because this is where we find our internships. This is where a lot of people find their jobs. You know, we literally show up shirt and tie, folder full of resumes. And, you know, we just start talking to people and just see where the day takes us. Um, and it's, it's, it's open to the entire community. It's not even just Southern students. It's that big. And it was just flat out canceled, you know. So now, you know, all these students who are banking on this opportunity just don't have it anymore. And it's just where are you going to get that same opportunity to talk to that many different employers you know, like we're all social distancing. We're all locked up in our rooms and our houses. Like it's just a million times harder to go and make that connection. And we're just starting off on the wrong foot, I guess, or at least that's how a lot of people I feel like are seeing it. Yeah, I think for a kid like you, who is, is very impressive in person, a very good conversation, a very easy flowing conversation, I think it hurts kids like you more who might not have like a 3-8-4-0, but can 100% sell themselves to someone right in front of them. And that, that person can walk away saying, I would love to look at that, that guy. I think that's where, that's a space where it hurts kids like me, where I, I don't have a chance to, to walk into someone's office and talk about maybe getting an internship there, where like my, my GPA is not the best. I go to a hard school. Like I'm not going to I grind to get like I have to work insanely hard just to get like a 3.0, and I I can I can really sell myself in person, but there's a, probably a million kids that look better on paper than me, so it's hard. It's a hard yeah. time. I mean, I think I think the point of school is to obviously learn the information. But I don't think it's necessarily just about what information you know. It's about what you know and how you can apply that to whatever you want to do. You know, just because, you know, you graduate with such and such major, you know, that's not going to say that that's exactly the direction you're going to head out there in the job market. You know, I've talked to so many people and they always tell you the same thing. It's just they never thought this is where they would end up. You know, everyone always has that dream job of, you know, this is where I want to be, you know, but it's it's you just take whatever you learn. You take the, the knowledge and the information that you've gathered and you apply that to your everyday life. And if you can't make that everyday application, then I, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> you got you got to be able to do that. Um, and that's the, that's the stuff that you got to be able to show employers and you got to be able to have that face to face opportunity. But. If that opportunity is not there to begin with, then you just have to work a million times harder than the people who do have that opportunity. You know, mm -hmm. like our juniors, you know, like they get another year, they're going to still be there, 
you know, a year from now, that career fair could, is still going to go on. That's still going to be there, you know, and they'll be able to have that. But, you know, yeah, but seniors, for, for you, yeah, yeah, for you, it's rough. Like, I think this senior class is, is going through a time that we really never were prepared to face. Like, we never thought something like this could happen. Like, we thought this was something out of a out of a horror movie. We didn't think that we could we could wake up one day and be faced with a pandemic. Like if you told me ever that we would have a pandemic, I would say you're out of your mind. That's like some apocalypse stuff. But oh yeah, for it's sure. It's here and it's real and we're running out of toilet paper and what the heck's going on? Yeah, you know? I know. Like we might have people fist fighting in Walmart over a roll of Charmin. Like who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. That's literally something you see in like world war Z. Like, it's literally, like, I'm pretty sure that was literally a scene in the movie where they're fighting in the store. With it kind of makes, makes you uh, re- rethink some things. Like, I remember watching on TV Doomsday Preppers, and you're like, yo, these guys are just absolutely crazy, you know? <laughs> but then, like, looking at it now, you're like, wow, like, those guys are geniuses. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, like, hey, me and, Je- me and Jeff and I going to set up the bunker today. What are you doing? We're, we're all going to play playing our men's softball like nah nah we're we're gonna set up a bunker today what are it's you all doing fun man? And games until something like it actually happens you know and you really see who's the people that you know were prepared or you know had the plan in place to go and do that yeah in those kind of bunkers that you guys made how much food do you think they have stocked up like could they live for a year like do you know oh, how much food yeah. you consume in a year could they could they could they hit a year like that's a yeah. while I bet they could, to be completely honest, but I don't think it's going to be anything good. It's going to be canned goods. Oh, yeah, it's going to be non-perishables. <laughs> you ain't going to be living piss water much. every day. <laughs> yeah. You're drinking. Oh, oh, some grub. No other yeah. word to describe what you're eating. That's grub, man. Jeez. <laughs> but I mean, I'm. We've talked a lot about college here. Not to get, well, to get back on topic here, um, but. I, I, it's more than just college, you know, it's, it's everyday people, it's jobs, it's mm-hmm. careers. Um, you have a younger brother and you have a younger sister who are still going through school as well. You know, um, yeah. how, how is it at the high school level? How are they taking this whole situation? I think they're less, I honestly think they're less prepared than colleges because they sent their kids home earlier than my school and they had online classes. They, they haven't. We had online classes. Like I, I, I expected to come home and, and them already be set up with all these things and have a schedule going on for their day to day, but they don't. Like they've kind of, they, they were shook. Like they were shook well more than m- the colleges were. I, I feel like, because I feel like the colleges they have a president, they have all these things in place so that they could move quickly, transition quickly, and then get the thing rolling, but. Uh, at the level of a public or private school, like you got some checks you got to go through. Like you, I, I don't think Waterford High School could could get this whole thing revamped and running in like a week or two. Like they have to, they have all these different people that have to say yes to the plan. And I, I don't, I, I think it's kind of delaying a lot of things now. They, they just had a graduation date, which is huge, but I don't, I don't think my brothers really learned anything new in the last three weeks, four weeks. It's weird. Yeah, 
for sure. Uh, I think this also it kind of makes you wonder about opportunities for them as well. Mm-hmm. You know, like it, especially for those people who are undecided. Um, mm-hmm. I just I feel like they're just at a real disadvantage now because you know at least when you're in high school you've got that many, you've got so many different teachers, guidance counselors, instructors that are keeping mm-hmm. an eye on you and making sure that you're doing what you need to do but if you're at home you know like you've got you know siblings who are doing their own stuff you've got parents that are doing full-time jobs that are going you know either working from home or you know like managing their own stuff that they got to manage and it just it it makes you wonder how much teaching how much instruction do you think they can really provide Uh, Mm -hmm. i've talked i've talked with my mom who's you know been working you know from home she's been doing her own stuff as well and, you know, the people that she works with, you know, a lot of their kids got sent home with the assumption that these parents are going to teach the kids. And, you know, these parents are just like, well, like, I got my own work that I got to do. Like, I don't have the time to commit to necessarily doing a full math instruction mm-hmm. with, you know, Johnny the Kid here. <laughs> you, know, you had and- mentioned, you had mentioned as well. The fact that some kids go home and they don't have a lot of guidance, like they don't have parents that are kind of in the know when it comes to college and moving to the next level. So those kids really are at a disadvantage when they can't talk face to face with a guidance counselor that wants to help them move forward in life. Yeah, absolutely. What if your parents, you know, don't necessarily prioritize academics like they should, you know, or instill that mentality in their kids? What if your household just isn't Mm -hmm. one of those, like... That kid, you know, he could have had good grades because he was going to classes, but, you know, now that he goes home, he just, you know, is lost. He's just, it just falls apart for him. You, you never really know. And then, you know, you take it a step farther, you know, how many of those kids that play sports and, you know, rely on sports as their way to, you know, springboard them into bigger and better things. Um, yeah. You know, those same kids that were, you know, relying on that spring year of sports to kind of, show off in front of college coaches and, you know, set them up for the future, you know, they don't have that opportunity. And you can't just give a high school kid a year of eligibility, like it's not college. That's not how that works, yeah. Exactly, like they just lose that year. Um, And that's why I think juniors especially, I think, are the people that are going to be the victims of this whole situation the the worst in terms of athletics, you know, because junior year, you know, yeah you're starting to come into the varsity program where you're starting to get solid minutes uh, enough where, you know, you would be noticed a little more by the uh, college coaches and have more of a profound role on the team. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of speak towards that. I mean, you're starting to make that jump now from sophomore to junior in college. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that I was talking to my coach about this and this is the talk that a high school kid isn't getting right now. I'm lucky enough where I have a really good relationship with my college coach. And I, I'm like, how do I make the jump to, to, to help our team get better? Like, how do I improve so that when I come back next year, it, it just happens for us as a, as a unit. And now he gave me feedback. He said, shooting on the run, get stronger, core strength, like strength. And I, I understood it, but a, a high school kid doesn't get that. A high school kid, doesn't get to show his improvement from sophomore year to junior year where a college coach is now, is now really looking at you because now you can commit and a college, 
a college coach isn't going to get to see his jump from junior to senior year. The kid loses so much experience time. So I think that for college coaches, this junior class is going to be an interesting one. I think there's going to be some kids that are a little out of place. I think this is going to be the biggest recruiting class I've seen for our kids. I think for a D1 team thinks they're getting a kid that's unbelievable, and maybe he's just not that unbelievable, but you don't know. It's a, it's a lot of gray area. Like high school, high school sports, the high school season really helps determine what you're going to do. And I know for me, like, I, I was making highlight, types, highlight tapes every year, and I was getting looked at by college coaches that were contacting me. And I know, I know how important that junior season really is. And as, as, as nice as the summer club season was going into my senior year, where I, I started to really get it going and people were really looking at me like, okay, this kid's doing stuff. Not as many people look at that as they as look at, like, your junior season. Like, the junior season is the biggest season in terms of looking at colleges. So it, it's rough for those kids. Like, I feel bad for them. I'm going to make a bold prediction here, Mike. I think that because of this situation, I think that in the coming years, there's going to be a boom in Division Two and especially JUCO schools. And the mm-hmm. reason that I say that is because I feel like a lot of kids rely or they look at the financial aspect when it comes to college. Not a lot of families have the opportunity, have the financial stability to be able to subsidize their kid going to a D3 school that can't offer scholarship money for athletics. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, you've got FAFSA and you've got financial aid that can come and make some, you know, help here and there. Um, but, you know, a lot of kids, they rely on being a scholarship athlete. Um, yeah. And, you know, with this whole situation now, if they don't have the tape, if they don't have enough for the coach to see them as a Division two or a Division one caliber athlete, I feel like that more people as of now would be more willing to go juco and you know take that scholarship year so that way they can go and mm-hmm. hopefully still get that division two or division one opportunity that they were originally looking for yeah it's a, it's a different kind of situation because as you said d2 is allowed to get money and so how does how does d2 take it up now i know at least in terms of lacrosse d2 seems like their top end is pretty nice but i mean we played a top 20 D2 team last year and lost by like two or three. And we were literally a second year program. So I think D2 seems to be very weak at points as opposed to a high end D3 team. So how does D2 take this where they can now offer these kids scholarship money who they can take a risk on who maybe didn't get that much from the D1 school? And how do they grow their programs? I think this is their biggest opportunity that they've had in a while. Yeah, all in all, I think we can really see how this pandemic has uh, just overall affected so many different people, both athletically, academically. Um, it's uh, it's affected our careers. It's affected our entire way of life. And I think that there's going to be, even after this situation happens, there's going to be so many different repercussions that we just haven't even seen yet. You know, uh, we, we've yeah. been able to spend some time here talking about just a few things that we think are going to happen, but you just, you, you never know what's going to happen to this. You don't know how long it's going to go. You don't know really how bad the situation's going to be until it's already done. And, you know, 
we can we can try our best to try and manage the situation but you know hopefully it all you know blows over soon and we can get back to uh that normal lifestyle that we all know and love if you guys liked what we talked about in the offseason podcast today uh stick with it stay tuned for uh episode two coming soon uh once again my name is zach nalen uh thank you guys for uh listening uh, mike do you want to give him a little send off uh yeah just keep tuning in uh michael Horn here i think we got good things coming up just keep keep tuning into us keep dropping likes and we'll be going also make sure to follow our instagram as well uh it's going to be the off season underscore podcast uh we'll have regular posts coming in there as well just to keep you reminded when the uh, next episode drops uh but without further ado uh i'll see you guys later thanks for tuning in